Well, good morning again. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be here this morning. But uh, 24 hours ago, I had just finished uh, some training on how to do CPR and use an AED machine, and I revived the dummies. <laughs> Nothing. And so then I uh, received a phone call from, from Greg informing me that, that Brad was not doing well. And uh, they were going to wait a couple more hours to see if he would revive. And, and uh, so as a result of that, is, um, obviously he did not. And um, they asked if, if I could come up with a message. So what I was prepared for for today was to do a Socratic discussion at Country Bible Church with some people on um, Acts chapter 10. Socratic discussion with 400 people doesn't work. So, so they said, can you come up with a message? And I thought to myself, okay. You know, I, I taught Bible at school, which is 180 school day. So I had 180 Bible lessons somewhere and stuff, and really none of those worked. So I, I dug and dug, and several things came to mind. And what is interesting to me, not surprising, is the first two songs that you sang this morning are directly related to my message this morning on the glory of Christ. And um, just to warn you, when you do not have time to prepare what to speak, you may ramble. So <laughs> if I start going off course and things like that, it's, it's simply because I have not prepared. I haven't even gone through what I'm going to say this morning. Uh, but I, I do have an outline for myself here. But um, the, the reason I took this uh, topic is it was actually two years ago I was really trying to contemplate what, what does it mean to glorify Christ? What does it mean to glorify God? And it just happened to be that I went to, as far as above the, not above the apostles, but beside the apostles, great theologians of the ages, my favorite is John Owen. And... I, I wish I had one one-thousandth of the mind of John Owen when it comes to the scriptures. I would read his books that he wrote, how he would go so far in depth and, and where he, his mind would go in looking at the scriptures was just something that was just amazing to me. And so one of the books that I picked up during that period of time is, is here. Today, it's just called The Glory of Christ, His Office and, Gra and Grace. John Owen never was that short with words. Is the actual title of the book is Meditations and Discourses on the Glory of Christ in His Person, Office, and Grace with the Differences Between Faith and Sight Applied Unto the Use of Them That Believe. Um, but he spends 300 pages on one verse. It was the last verse that Dave 
read to us, John 17, 24. And if you want to see him really go into depth on verses, is that I have another book. It's over 800 pages just on Romans chapter 7. So I read him, and he goes into depths of things that just absolutely blow my mind. And just rich my, my heart, my soul so much. So today, what I want to do is, is just briefly bring to you this idea of beholding the glory of Christ from John 17, 24. And again, what the verse says, as you can see up there, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, that's us, that's us, okay, is maybe with me where I am to see my glory that you have given to me. What just hits me with that verse is that Christ prayed for me. Prayed for me. And I know in Hebrews it says that Christ is my mediator. He intercedes on my behalf to the Father where he applies the atonement so that I have forgiveness of sin. But here he's praying for several things specifically for us individually. And if you open to John chapter 17 and look back at verse 20. What he says in verse 20, I do not ask for these only. Now, these only there is, as Dave pointed out, that, that's his disciples, except for the one. Uh, he's, so he's, he's saying he's transitioning here in his prayer from praying for the disciples to now to us. I'm not asking not only for these disciples only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word through the words of the apostles that they would bring to us with what we have in our scriptures today. And, and, and with it is that that's me. I, I believe in that. I, I believe in what those men wrote there through the spirit of God with that. And so there's several things that Jesus is praying for me right here in this prayer. And, and that's what I want to focus. What stirred my heart when he talked about that in this prayer is that, that not only that I, I, I would see his glory. I want to see his glory. I want to understand his glory. And it's something that many of you know that also, among all the things I do, I also, I'm also a wrestling coach. And, and we're, I'm always talking to my kids in, in all the sports that I've been involved with. You know, we do this for the glory of God. But when I really look at their eyes, they kind of give you, what does that mean? You know, how, how do I do this for the glory of God? And, we, and I wrestle with that. I, I don't know. Sometimes when I see you know, an athlete pounding his chest and pointing up, I'm going, okay, so who's getting glory right here? You, you God, what, what's going on here with this? And... Um, and just even sometimes the way that we express it, and I know, I know their intention as well, but it's even the way they express it, I go, hmm, 
I'm not so sure that was so, so glorious to God. And I, and I don't know what the answer is. I, I keep searching, and I'm even right now listening to a particular podcast that's on the glory of God only, and I said, because I just want to know more about that, and how can I help my wrestlers uh, for that they understand, if we wrestle for the glory of God, what does that really mean? So, so it's something I'm still wrestling through, but what I hope this morning to do is encourage your heart, is that we, that we would behold the glory of Christ. And as we start at the first song today, I, I, that's where I just went, whoa, behold our God. Uh, and so, so let me just move into some things about what I learned from John Owen about the glory of Christ, and hopefully it will help you through an understanding of this. And the first thing is just the, the definition of what glory is, is that when we, it's important to know what it is and what it's not. And when we look from the scriptures, it starts off with a definition of it. Well, first, I'm sorry, it's the outline of the message before you here. We're going to go through um, what this means, what glory means, how we may behold Christ's glory, uh, reasons to behold the glory of Christ, and what are the outcomes of um, beholding the glory of Christ. So let's start with the definition of the glory. What it is and what it's not is that, first of all, from the, when you look at the word from the Old Testament, the word glory in the Hebrew um, has the picture of weight, something that's heavy, something that's significant. And, 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 and what it talks about in terms of appearance is that it's something that's just so splendid, so beautiful, that's before you. And, and so, so when, you know, back in the time when Moses asked God to show me your glory, God had to say, you, you, can't, you can't see it all, okay? I'm, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have to put my hand basically before your eyes, and I'll pass before you, and you can look at the back of it. So, but you cannot, you can't take in the wholeness of this. And, and so it's something that's so splendid that way. And in the New Testament, oftentimes glory then is also goes to recognition. It's, it's something that's entitled to the person in terms of fame and honor. But, it, but overall, it's meant to be something, glory is meant to be something that's visible and, and it can be communicated to us. So in the Old Testament, the way the glory of God was, was communicated is when the priests would fill the temple or the tabernacle with incense and smoke. And so my senses suddenly take this in and realizing that this is just, for me, a communication. What is the glory of God to this? And then in the New Testament, it's manifested in Jesus Christ is that in him. So the glory of God appeared to us in terms of that. And in the creation, it, it tells us that, that in the creation and God's creatures, including us, what we are to do is to communicate this glory. All I can do is communicate this glory as, in terms of it. So it tells us that we reflect the glory of God in the true beauty of God's glory because the true beauty of it is just totally inexpressible. And what it does 
is that it elicits, when, we, when we're trying to consider the glory of God, what it does is it brings about, all, all I can do is worship. All I can do is admire it. And it, it demands a submission to it because it's so great. And so when we take a look at the, the next slide, what glory is, is, <clears throat> is that what glory is and what glory is not is the, the glory of Christ is not this. It's not, it's not his outward condition. Okay? In other words, he didn't walk around with a halo around his head and, and that um, when, the, when the scriptures give us a description of Jesus, it gives us a pretty simple description of who he is, is that he was made of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant and he... he there was, it says that there was nothing that really attracted us to him in beauty of, of form or majesty that you would notice it. But it's, it's described, and he's described as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So that's hardly what you would have in the picture of somebody who's glorious. You know, it, it's kind of, at times, almost humorous to watch some of the movies that put Jesus in there. And, you know, he, first of all, you know, he can't walk fast. You know, his walk slow stuff. And he always has this face and manner about it. And it's almost hokey, you know, in, in terms of it. You go, no, and, you know, that, that couldn't be the way it was in terms of it. it but he was, it was basically, he was just, in, in his appearance and the way he was, he was just like us, and fully human in terms of it. But what... The glory of Christ is, if you turn to John chapter 1, it tells us what Jesus' glory was really about. Okay? The Apostle John was with him. So he had walked with him and been with him in John chapter 1, verse 14. And it tells us about this word from, from verse 1 of John. Yeah, that the Word was with God, the Word was God. Um, and in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Okay, so there, there was something that John says that th this is what we saw, and this is what was glorious. It's glorious. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There is an element of grace and there's an element of truth that magnified the glory of who Christ is. Just full of grace and full of truth. And, and that's what John says, that that's what we saw. How he administered grace and truth was glorious. And the thing is, how can we see it? It's by faith. It's by faith that we get to see what that is. It's the privilege that's granted to us in verse 12 is when, when it says that the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth, is that we receive him. Those who receive him get to understand what that's all about. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses four through six. 
says that in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the glory of Christ is found in the light of the knowledge of this, in the the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, in the face of Christ. And what is found is in the gospel itself. So Christ is a representative image of God to us, and God himself being invisible, but we get to see basically the face of Christ, the face of God through the gospel in Jesus Christ, just the knowledge of that itself. So again, going back to John chapter 1, it's found in grace and in truth. We find the glory of God. Now, how, how do we behold this glory? Is, um, <clears throat> is that the first thing that, that I learned from John Owen in the book, in terms of how, how do I do, the, how do I behold the glory of Christ through it, is that what John Owen had said is this, is our ultimate rest, blessedness, and satisfaction of soul is not in seeing the works of God, but the glory of God himself. And, and so what it is, is a desire. I, I, I need to have this desire to seek the glory of Christ. If you turn back in Psalm 66. In Psalm 66, David writes, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. And and so we see here the heart of David and the heart of David just wanting to just shout out about the deeds of God and the power of God with this and and that all the earth should do so. And and then... the heart of Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Moses in chapter 33 verses 17 and 18, he says this, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. That just right there, just God's telling him, I know you, I know you. And Moses says, please show me your glory. And God's response, I'll make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim for you my name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy but you cannot see my face, for man can, shall not see me and live. But, God's, but Moses' heart was, I want to I see the glory of God. I, I want to have that. And so 
for, for us today, what we find is that it's in Christ alone that we get a clear and distinctive view of what the glory of God is. And that he alone is, is the appointed representative of God to us to display the manifold wisdom of God in, in his glory. And it's in the most excellent way that we see God's glory is in the gospel, the message that was given to the church of Christ. It is give, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. You should have learned from my last lesson that you'd be turning pages. Ephesians chapter 3. Let me start with verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart for what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So it's, it's through the love of Christ who manifests this, this love of God to us to understand the glory of God through this love. Turn to 1 John. First John chapter 4. First John 4, 8, 9. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. We're to see love not only in its effect, but also in the nature and the essence of what love is. And in God himself, who sends Christ as the propitiation, the payment for our sins, and we might live through him. This is the greatest evidence of the love of God, and it's the greatest evidence of the glory of Christ. In this divine love that we behold the glory of Christ. And in to not behold the glory of Christ is simply to be ignorant of the mystery of God. If, if, I'm, if I'm just not seeing this glory, if, if I'm not understanding what this glory is, it's, simply, it's looking simply at what is the love of God through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is that it is not by sight, but it's by faith. It's not by sight, but it's by faith. You cannot behold the glory of Christ if you do not have faith in Christ. Grace is necessary for this faith, and faith is necessary for you to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ. So what are some reasons why we should behold the glory of Christ? <clears throat> okay, first of all, it is a privilege and a duty for us to do this. The duties of the law were a burden upon the people. 
And Jesus described them as a yoke, but the duties of the gospel is to our advantage. It's, it's the great privilege that we have that those, we, we were born in darkness and we deserve to be cast into out of darkness. But instead, what those of us who have believed in the glory of Christ and salvation, we've been translated from, a mar, from that darkness to a marvelous light in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And, and, and secondly, to behold the glory of Christ, what it does is it resolves the most practical issues of our life. It's that those, Sinclair Ferguson, in his commentary to this book, says those who live most fruitfully on earth realize they have a priceless treasure in heaven. This is precisely what the way Jesus taught his followers how to live in his kingdom. And then thirdly, what it does is it brings encouragement in the trials of life, seeking the glory of Christ. It is our life is full of temptations, it's full of affliction, it's full of changes, it's full of sorrows, dangers, fears, sickness. I'm hoping that Dimitri and Dave did not leave any germs here. <laughs> and, and pain. Things we often relish, things we desire, and we find refreshment and comfort in. That we, we find that all those things are transitory. They, they just, they come and they go and they're uncertain. And it's always reminders to me that of what they are. Is when I'm seeking pleasures, when I'm seeking certain things, is that they come and go. They just come and go. And it's just, just a reminder of the things of this life. Is that... Um, everything that I have concern in has its root in trouble and sorrows. We, we look right now at our nation, just our nation is in total confusion at this moment right now, it is that there's disorder, there's distresses, there's sorrows that are going on. People's hearts are fearful, and there's a total lack of peace that's going on in our culture today. But turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again. Second Corinthians 4, let's start with verse 8. <clears throat> we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are to be seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transit, but the things that are unseen are eternal. If we can retreat to the contemplation of the glory of Christ, we'll be carried above all these prevailing senses that brings down our hearts and our minds into troubles and sorrows of today. And so what are the outcomes of beholding this? If The more and more we learn to do this is just to keep my focus on the glory of Christ day by day, moment by moment, is that these are the things that can be the outcome of that. First, it brings a cure for short-sightedness. Is, is that we, we tend to overvalue temporal things that are before us. And unless we arrive at fixed judgments that all these things in life are transitory and they are all going to perish, um, is that even the best of them are not seen as substantial as we think they are. It isn't as good as we think it is, uh, these things that we keep seeking. Uh, and, and so... It brings about a cure for that. I can look beyond those things. Secondly, is that it restores rest to the soul. Our, our minds are apt by the troubles of life to be cast into disorder. One of the refrains of Psalm 42, when David was troubled by the thoughts of life, of is that and many times in counseling people, I, I refer back to this from Psalm 42, where David says, starts talking to himself. So this, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones did a great job in his book on depression, taking Psalm 42 and teaching us this, is that, you know what? Is that what the, the trouble that I often have, the thing that drives my emotions is that I start listening to myself. Things are going through my mind and I am paying attention to those things that are going through my mind. And what it's doing is it's just elevating the distress and the anxiety that I have. And what David, David goes through that as well, where he talks about who's against him and all these troubles that are about him. And then all of a sudden he says this, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. What Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones did is, the interesting thing about him is that he was a medical doctor that became a tremendous preacher. And so he applied his knowledge of medicine into this verse right here. And just saying, quit listening to yourself. Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. Take the word of God and start talking to yourself in those situations and quit listening to yourself. And I have to remind myself over and over again and a lot to my wife who's talking to me and I, I tell her, you know, stop, talk to yourself. So, so, she's not here so I can say that. Okay, but 
But that's part of the thing that troubles our soul is just listening, just listening to myself. Speak truth to yourself. Because remember, the glory of God is found in grace and in truth. I need to speak truth to myself. Thirdly, is the outcome is that it gives us a sense of God's love. Turn to Romans chapter 5. And just capture this sense of God's love here in Romans chapter 5, the first five verses. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, okay, that's been done, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'm always reminded in that, that the, the, the suffering and the endurance that I need, it's always producing something. It's, always, it's not for naught that I go through hard things. But it's always for a purpose, and it's always producing something in me. And that's what I have in Christ, is that it's not hopeless. So it gives me a sense of the love of God, that even through things that I'm thinking are difficult, God's saying, I'm working in you. I'm working in you. It's, as a coach again, is that you don't get stronger by just standing around. You get stronger by stress. You have to stress your muscles. You have to stress things. And as I stress them, they make me stronger. And so finally is this. And this brings comfort to us as death approaches. There's uh, many of you that your hair color is the same of mine. And this is something on a horizon. We're in the, the days of horizon of looking at shortly, if whatever that might be for us tomorrow or another decade or two away. But to contemplate the glory of Christ will carry us cheerfully into the horizon and with a comfort into what God's doing with us now and even through death, there's great comfort with that. So anyway, that's as much as I could come up with real quick <laughs> for you. So, so. So let me finish this with, with prayer. Father, you have taught us that we'll find the fullness in the knowledge of the glory of Christ. And, and as Jesus prayed for us to behold this glory, assure us of this certainty is that it is ours. So fill our heart with joy and peace and that the fullness of Christ's salvation is indeed our most treasured possession and, and that we will show forth continually your praise. We would testify of your love and advance your kingdom for the glory 
of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.